They're like, Marla, Marla, you've grown up. <laughs> you think about it, you know, it seems like, like two years ago, but it's probably been 30. I mean, we've been in this building 21 years. And we're glad to see my loveys over there, Greg and Angie. Happy y'all to be here. I know, I know it's take, it, it, it takes you a lot to get here, you know, and uh, things you've been struggling with. But I'm going to tell you, I'm proud of you today, and I'm, and I'm glad you're here. Y'all ready to go? I'm, uh, I want to talk to you about something, about really the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the true gospel that, the, that Yeshua preached. I'll never forget the day that I began to, it dawned on me, and, and I think it's not because I'm that smart or I'm anything except one thing. I love the truth. And I think God honors people who seek the truth. And who are seeking the kingdom in a sincere way, whether it's, it's misadvised or not. I think it's important for us to, and I always like to say this, I like to say I'm here to learn. I'm capable of learning. The Bible and the King James Version isn't going to be that difficult. I'm going to help explain that to you. Some of you should, can help others by now. But we need to understand that our salvation depends on what we know. If you don't know the truth, you can't be set free. And you can't believe on those things that Yeshua and the Bible says are must, what you have to believe in order to be to receive immortality, to receive a well done. So uh, this is what I want you to say today. You know, I have purpose. It's more than just getting married, having kids, having a house, getting a car. And, you know, there's more to this thing than, than just that. And, and I believe that I have a purpose, and I try to live every day to fulfill my individual purpose, which is never a purpose of by myself. You, you cannot succeed by yourself. This is a body. And so we see that not only that, but this church has purpose. We have a purpose. And that purpose, for your purpose and my purpose and this house's purpose, is to fill the earth with the glory of God, the character of I like to say the word character instead of glory because, you know, glory we think of a cloud maybe or a bright light or something. No, it, it is something tangible that is character by a generation of people who are reflecting God's will and God's character. To know Him, to be the expressed image of His person and the likeness and the brightness of His glory. That's how Paul said it. And so what we're doing is we are taking this time and opportunity to become a great ecclesia for the glory of God. And I don't care how that looks or what it looks like. I'm committed and we are committed for the character of God to be developed in us. And when we stand before Yeshua on that day, that we all get our well done. That's our purpose. Because on that day, what kind of car are you driving and what kind of house do you have and how much money you got in the bank? Ain't going to matter except the people who who are going to be left in the will and spend it. So I don't like to come here and inspire, inspire people. I don't want to just encourage you today. I don't, or I don't want to just motivate you today. I want the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword, that divides asunder between the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intents of our heart to change us from the very core, because that's the work of God. It's what his name means. I will be in whom I will be, Yahweh. 
I know we were taught, I am that I am. I think I told somebody, that's Popeye's thing. I am that I am. God's is, I will be in whom I will be. That's what that Hebrew really means. So we, we're being nurtured. The whole fatherhood principle and God being represented. And he's working in us to bring us to this implicit trust in him that we are just so very, very uh, not, not naive, but innocent again. And as he's developing that character that pleases him, he wants to be able to show us off as his beautiful work and to believe that we have this absolute confidence that whatever God says, we do. If he says don't touch it, we trust him and won't touch it. If he says do it, we do it because we know what he says. So right now I'm going to stop, which I'm doing now, and I'm going to receive tithes and offers. We, we've already done it here. And there's people who are at home, some that can't be here, some that should be here, and some that are, you know, live way out of town. But they feel joined to me as their apostle and spiritual father. They, they feel like they're part of us. And so I want you to right now stop. We've already done this. And I want you to worship God with your tithe and with your offerings. If you're going to send it through Venmo or a cash app or the, all the stuff my son's giving me here, texting, hey, man, he's got us covered everywhere. It's a very spiritual thing, even though it sounds, may not sound like it as we put God first in our life. Now, if you've done that, then I want us now to raise our hands, those that have tithed. And, that, and I want you, and I want to pray over you who have brought meat into this house put God first in their finances. And I'm going to pray, first of all, for the offering that you gave. And I pray and I believe and receive, and I want you to say it, that I believe and receive a hundredfold return on all that I sow. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't we? We serve a great God. I mean, why ask him for 20 when he can do 100? You know what I'm saying? Not to just waste it on ourselves. And then I want you to say this with all the faith that's in your heart. Those that are watching me today and those here, I want you to say with all this faith, every bill paid, every need is met, every debt is removed with more than enough left over to do everything God and I want to do. And then I want you to say one more thing like our boy Jacob. Bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. And I want you to make sure you learn and you're blessing God. Amen? Amen? God bless y'all. Now, the name Yahweh is interesting. But what caught my attention is that I found out that the name Yahweh is used in the Bible over 7,000 times. But yet it was always substituted with the Lord, capital letters. I ain't going to lie to you, man. I'm like, want to know why, did, why didn't they just say his name? It just bothered me. I was like, hey, is it a conspiracy theory? Well, found out it, it was. The Jews didn't want to use that name. They kept it holy. Then we saw that the Roman church didn't want to use that name because of what it means. And once you know what it means, then you understand what the true gospel is. But I think most people just don't know. They call the Lord the Lord. And this, this is what used to drive me crazy. For example, Isaiah 42, 8. This is a scripture where it says, I am the Lord that is my name. <laughs> I don't think that was his name, the Lord. Hey, what's your name? I'm the Lord. Now, I knew some people. I knew a, man, a boy named uh, Little Michael Lord. I knew some lords. But I'm like, 
what is the big deal about this? Well, Yahweh means I will be in whom I will be. And the purpose of the truth of the scriptures, the why it's important, is to make us mentally and morally like Yahweh and his son, Yahweh saves. That's what Yahshua means. Yahweh saves. So it, this is what qualifies us to get to have the redemption of our bodies, of receiving the divine nature, and that is the eternal reward. It was, it was amazing for, to me when I try to explain to people on a more basic thing, uh, way, that when you die, you either, John said it, I mean, Genesis says the wages of sin is death. Romans says the wages of sin is death. Didn't give us any extra warnings, you know, hey, and guess what else you're going to get? No, you're going to die, surely die, you're going to die. And then you, you look at this scripture in John 3, 16 that says that, that we have two options, perish or have eternal life. The word perish is the Greek word apumolai. It means perish. It means destroy fully. It means it's like vegetables. It, that's what it means. And in trying to find out this thing, I said, how in the world then, if the only way you can only get two, one or two things, how can, you, how can you get eternal life? The only way you can get eternal life is to get saved, okay? You can perish or, or have eternal life. The only way you can get eternal life is to, to get saved. Well, if you get eternal, saved, you get eternal life. Well, what if you didn't get saved? You don't get eternal life. So how can you live forever anywhere uh, in, anywhere? If you haven't got eternal life, well, that's because that when Constantine, those guys, they mingled all these other belief systems, and they said, we do have immortality, that we're all born with a divine spark, even though the Bible doesn't say that. And, and man, we have some great teaching for those of you who are just learning to understand those kind of things. So we see that the, the, award, the reward is eternal life, to be able to live eternally. If you don't get the reward, then you don't get to live eternally. So Yeshua was a manifestation of the character, or I should say perfect character, of his Father. And that is what we are doing today. And we do it every day. And that is we are received the Spirit of Christ, and we now are becoming and changing into the image of our Father. So human salvation and, you know, uh, every, head bow, every head bow, every eye closed, let's pray a sinner's prayer. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. Nobody stopped and prayed a sinner's prayer and said, praise God, you're, you're saved. But what it is, it was, a, it was God manifestation. God manifesting himself in man. It's called, it's called uh, I will be in whom I will be. And do you know the very last book of the Bible says this? And God was all and in all. The real purpose of the gospel is not human salvation. The great pur purpose and the main reason for man's creation, if we want to learn the basis of what, what our purpose is, why are we really here, it's, it's God's manifestation. Salvation being begotten of God, receiving the incorruptible seed, and then working that out with fear and trembling, it's secondary to the, and it is a means by which we can accomplish the main objective, and that is God's manifestation. So what Yahweh does 
He reconciles us back to Him through the sacrifice of His Son, Yeshua. But His sacrifice is giving us a clean slate for our former sins. He reconciles us back to Him. Now, we got a race to run. we got a fight to, to fight. we got a war to win. Those are all the illustrations that Paul used. So, we get reconciled by Yahweh so He can get man, uh, me and you, back on track to the original intention of what? God being glorified in humans. That men become his sons and daughters, and they become like him. They look like him, talk like him, think like him, walk like him, dream like him. And that is basically the meaning of the name Yahweh. You know, people didn't just make up names, you know, from like TV show character, you know, or their favorite politician, or their favorite singer. People, they had purpose in, pre, uh, in naming people's names now this is what I've learned usually something new for me first thing I do is I reject it <laughs> anybody else ever done that Nah, I don't know that not me hey you're gonna really like this filet mignon no I don't want that fillet, fillet mignon no I don't want none well just taste it no I'm not gonna taste it finally they accidentally taste it one time and how many you know they love it and they get mad because they didn't know it all these years it's that stuff, that cognitive lock that we have that will continue to buy a product that's inferior and cost more because we're so committed to it and deeply ingrained in our brains. Ignorance, I found, I'll always criticize what it don't know and what it hasn't experienced. My poor imprisoned brain had no way of knowing, knowing until somewhere along the road, I learned it or I experienced it. If your brain don't know something, it can't speak on the matter. Even though you do. Even though you do. And ignorance will think it knows something by concluding that if something is tried and it doesn't work out for me, then it must not be real. It becomes a catalyst to convince all others that what ignorance doesn't know or has experienced is wrong. That's what we usually do. What's wrong? What's wrong? I don't know about it. You know what it's like? When I, if I were to criticize something I don't know, and I'm, how many of you know we do it? I mean, the first thing, oh, no, not me. Then you know, it's, it's like a baby, an infant trying to convince somebody that this big, juicy steak ain't good what it's impossible and i'm asking people this just consider it like i did you let's just consider there just might be more to see than from just from where you're sitting consider that so let's get into this okay why, why were you born then what what's this magnificent purpose for all of our lives here on the earth it's kind of like the tithe the purpose of the tithe isn't to tithe and take money from you. The purpose of the tithe is that there might be meat in my house. That's the objective, to get meat in the house. And so the 10% is really nothing more but a minimum requirement from Yahweh to immature people who don't serve the objective to make sure there's, there's, there's uh, meat in the house. Immature need motivational recompense. 
And people do it. Like for time, they'll do things because they don't want to get cursed. Not because they love the purpose. That's why a lot of people never endure. Because they never come to the, the place where the strongest force in the world is able to conquer anything you come against if you love. There's no other power stronger. And it's the only power that can make somebody die for somebody else. But we think it's just the knowledge. We I mean, all people think, well, I can do this. I'm going to do that or do a little bit of that. If it doesn't come to the place, that's why I say, I say this. Nobody's ever truly gotten begotten of God and repented out of fear tactics. And I, I used to go to the altar every youth camp except that one. I used to go to the altar every time an evangelist come to town. It scared me to death. And Jesus was coming back and and when I'm asleep or when the thief in the night or I'm going to get hit by a truck on the way out, man, I'm like, I was like, how many of you know it didn't last? It's like going on a diet. People, we, we, I see a lot of pharisaical stuff. And I'm going to be critical. It's stuff I'm trying to, I'm trying to help people get to, to the little bit of level of knowledge I have. You know what the Pharisees did? They would pay more attention to keep from swallowing a gnat than they would trying to swallow a camel. This morning, I want us to look at our real purpose. And let's reaffirm what their, our real purpose really is and what God is trying to do. I don't believe that we just happen. I don't believe mankind just happened. I believe those are designed, and it's not the product of a blind chance. By common sense, most people realize that if you have a Swiss watch, it don't matter if you put it on a beach somewhere, and all these, you know, the evolution theory, Big Bang theory, I mean, if that's how God wanted to do it, fine. But let's face it, you're not going to get a Swiss watch out of uh, the, the sand being stirred up by the ocean and the silicon and stuff that's in there is going to turn out into a Swiss watch. We know that. Talking to a guy, man, and he was talking to me. He said, man, what happened to you? And this guy's, this guy's, uh, I said, what are you, liberal, I guess? I said, I got woke. I got woke. Oh, you got woke? I said, yeah, let me tell you what kind of woke I got. Because until Yahweh himself wakes us up and grants us the gift of repentance, we're not going to under anything, understand really anything about our ultimate destiny or really any other spiritual thing because we will always defile it by the, by the instead of having our hearts circumcised. That, that's why Yahweh calls men to be circumcised, to remove the flesh from, from tainting the seed. Until our, we're circumcised in our heart, the intents in our heart are always going to be tainted and shaded by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The real word of Yahweh shows us that, hey, we were created purposefully. Yahweh says he designed each creature in the garden. How? After his own time. Then he said, look, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So here's there's two things. What was man, what was God doing? He was doing what he always did. He was creating something after their own kind. And he's saying, we're going to make a man after the God kind in Genesis. Now, one of the things that I think is important to understand and to learn, and I want to tell you what, it took me a long time to discover this. This is something you have to dig for, and you have to really not be afraid to challenge uh, traditions of men. 
There was an us discovered discussing the creation of man in their image. I was taught that that us was a we. And that we was three beings. Until I've studied the Hebrew and I found another name in here. A name called Elohim. Now I know what El means, singular, and I know what El Elohim means, plural. And I know who God is. So this Elohim said, we're going to create humans or create man in our own image. And this is what he said. Okay, we're going to create them, create them in our own image. What are we talking about? Moral character, likeness, the care, perfect character of the father. And the second vital point by the rest of the verse says this. We're going to create them to be like us, and we're going to do something else. What is it? We're going to let them have dominion over the fish, the birds, and the cattle. So from the beginning, we, man, was created to have dominion, created to be like God, and to have dominion rule, to be in charge over all the physical creation of the earth. In other words, he's supposed to do two things, to be like God and rule and reign. There they are. Two things in the book of Genesis. So he immediately is given the responsibility to use his creative imagination and his own judgment. Free will. Now listen to this. This is David speaking in uh, Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? This is David probably laying out in the pasture with his sheep, looking at all the stars. What is man, my, man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Now watch this. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you crown him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the work of your hands and have put all things under his feet. Right there again. Here David saying, what is man? What is it? That, you're, that you even care anything about him. He said, but... You crown him with glory and honor, and you've made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. Two things again, created to be like the Father, and the other thing is to do what? Huh? Have dominion. There it is again. Interesting, when you study the Hebrew, he said, for you've made man, so he, the Elohim made man a little lower the Bible says, than the angels, King James. That Hebrew word there is Elohim. So the Elohim created man in their image a little lower than them, and David called them angels. All right, this, I'm not going to get into all that too much. I'm going to kind of just skip across a stone across this to give your mind something to ruminate about, to think about. So Yahweh had a special purpose for man he made him a little lower than the elohim he made him a little lower than the angels and that word elohim denotes the term for god now most people think that god is three that ain't what the bible teaches matter of fact there's nowhere in the bible except first john 7 and it's in brackets in a good translation like the king james and it shows that it was added years later i wonder who did that it wasn't in the original writing so, well, Johnny, does the Father exist? Of course. Does the Son exist? Yeah. Well, does does uh, the Holy Spirit exist? Absolutely. And there's a, we've taught on this, and there's a, it, 
you know, the beautiful thing is, you know, it's easy once you get it. But let me tell you why I want to focus on this today. Because people don't know how important it is to be part of God. I mean, there's some people that ain't here today. I want to tell y'all, y'all are in trouble. Not because I want people to come to church. I, I, don't, I don't need people to come to church. You're in trouble because you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand God's manifestation. You don't understand the body. People don't understand how important it is to come and be joined one to one another and commune on the Lord's day. Because they don't understand what God is. God is multitudinous. There is only one God. One uncreated God. That's what the Bible says. I forget how many thousands of times. One God. One God. One Lord and one mediator between God and man. The man, Yeshua. But yet, God is exemplified as a multitude. Let me tell you what God is. He is a family. All snail groves. All smiths. They look like their daddy. They talk like their daddy. They walk like their daddy. And even though there's one, only one original who created it all, now there's many sons unto glory. And what God has done, He created Adam and Eve to populate this earth. But Elohim did it. If it was singular, it would have said El. Yahweh is the great El. E-L. Then you have the Elohim. That's everybody. The Bible calls them what? What did David call them? Angels. So how in the world, where did the angels come from? They tell you where they came from. The same place we came from. And we're headed. Somewhere at some time, because God just don't give immortality away for free. Somewhere, some, somewhere, and I have a great teaching on the time clock of God, you know, and, and that helps you understand some things. But tonight, this morning, all I want to say about it is this. They also had to qualify for immortality, just like Yeshua did and just like we have to. So in understanding that, we were made a little lower. Why lower? Because we've yet to be received our spiritual body, which is the reward of getting your will done. Then we won't be lower than the angels anymore. So he gave us this thing. The potential to be like him in character and then to rule and reign. And the Bible says at the end of time, you know, we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years for Yahshua on his planet here. So, I, you know, I, I'm not a really alien guy or nothing like that. Well, I'm not at all. But I don't know. The Bible only talks about that thousand years. It don't tell us what happens after that. I have no clue. But I do know what happens until then. And that is this. God gave man a mind and a brain, and it's different than the animal brain. We can, we can have imagination. We can dream. I tell you, that's one of the, uh, we, can, we, we can even analyze ourselves. It's one of the things that happened to me in school, man. I was a dreamer. I, like, I'd be, I don't know what, they would, what letters they would put after for, diagnose me with, you know, but I would, I would, Danny Underwood says I get distracted by shiny stuff. So maybe I'm just a redneck. That's what he says. We can laugh at ourselves. We know what's right and wrong, and we're able to make judgments to a limited degree, of course, like God. We have the power to do that. The Tower of Babel, the Bible says, hey, they're one. They all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be held from them. The power, they understand that the power of that one thing is a God quality. Where any two agree is touching any one thing on earth, it shall be done to the Father of heaven. There is this thing of family, of God family, of Elohim. 
who God is overall. And we have this joint power. We, had, we have the ability, when we do things, get together like that, to, to screw some stuff up too, can't we? We can destroy the earth, can't we? we can, how many of you know that governments of men, man's never been able to govern himself, and the governments of men can make something really good bad? They can screw up some stuff. William Shatner went to a you know, rocket, this, 90 years old. We can recall this information through our like, computers. We can make detonate hydrogen bombs. And if God doesn't intervene, we'd probably blow, blow up the earth. Somebody said, it's the end of the world. I said, no, it's not. It's impossible. It's never going to be the end of the world. I've read the Bible. This world's going to endure forever. We can sure mess it up real bad. So from the beginning, we've created us to be like him, of his kind, of his family, of his likeness, and character, and morality. And he placed him over the physical creation of the earth. He was given the capacity and the responsibility to direct and to judge his fellow man to God and under God and for God. It's the God-like responsibility from the beginning. And guess what? Messed it up. And then, of course, God spoke a word. And that word, speaking that word, God speaking words like he did in Genesis, let there be light. He created with words. That was called Logos. Those words are God. And God spoke, speaks things. He did it then. And he spoke his own son into the belly of a human woman. The word in the Greek for word is sperma. He spoke into her belly. And that Logos became flesh. And he began to come and preach the restoration of the purpose, the true purpose of, of man. And what is that? Character and moral nature of God. I like to say perfect character and moral nature of God. Some guy said, nobody's perfect. I said, well, you better look, get perfect because the Bible says, God said, be ye therefore perfect. And then he qualifies it by saying, as, the, as I am. The word perfect there means you come into the full fulfillment of everything God. It's, it's the word for maturity, teleos. It's full maturity. Not that you don't ever make mistakes. There's only a couple of us that have like, ever been like that. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Here, this man, the last Adam, the first one failed in the character and in government. Now, here comes the last Adam. And this is what he preaches. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Yeshua came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What gospel? What I'm telling you today, you want you to listen to me. There is no other gospel than what I'm telling you right now. It's the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom. What kingdom? The kingdom of God on earth. Now, you know, and I've been accused of being a Jehovah Witness. Trust me, I'm not. They, they don't like talking to me or my son, Jonathan. There is a coming world ruling government that was predicted by the old testament prophets as well as yeshua peter paul john that's what the whole bible is about the book of daniel describes these four great world ruling kingdoms that would govern the world until the end of this age and the prophet david uh, daniel said this in chapter two 
And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all those kingdoms, and this kingdom will stand forever. What is our purpose? You read the majority of all the parables that Yahshua taught. It was all about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 30, he compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. He shows the kingdom of God, though starting out small, it's going to grow to this tremendous side. The, the parable of the nobleman in Luke 19, he clearly states that those who overcome and use their talents as God intends will be given authority in Christ's soon coming government to rule over cities. That is what he said is going to be the reward. Immortality and government governing and you, the number of cities you're going to govern govern is going to be determined by how you are doing i always tell people this you know my wife wants to she wants to rule over on the island of Kauai. i don't know that this is true or not so i said good you can wait till the end to go and uh i said i don't know if this is true or not but maybe the city i'm going to rule over in is going to be oak <laughs> ain't much here, but, you know, it might be what I get. Chapter, uh, the, the guys, the servants who increased their money said that, Yahshua said this, Well done, good and servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over ten cities. To the servant who increases money five times, Yahshua said, you shall also be over five cities. Now, why, why did he say that? I know it's a parable, but why didn't he say, give us some other reward or mention some of the reward he gave that and then right before his death this is what he promised the apostles he said i bestow a king upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed upon me one upon me that you can eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel now if we believe that yahshua meant what he said and he was telling the truth then we know that he promised us who overcome will join him at his, when he returns again in ruling over the cities and nations of the earth. Wow. Now, this isn't flippant here. I tried to find another reward that Yahshua promised, and he didn't promise anymore. I know. I preached that he did for many years. I was taught that he preached other promises. I can't find it. I know people use some scriptures. This is what I found out. If there's six things right here that say this, and you have one that appears to be contradicting, then we're probably misunderstanding this one. The scriptures have to all agree. Listen to this one. Book of Revelation chapter 2. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, I will give him what? Power over the nations. There you go. He's going to rule with them with a rod of iron. The potter's vessel shall be broken into pieces. And I also have received from my father, as I also have received from my father. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down on my throne with my father. Yeshua had to prove himself and qualify the same way we are. That's why he said, I'm the way. Listen, this is how you do it. I'm, this is going to overcome. Thank God we have a high priest at the right hand of the father now. He was a special dude, don't get me wrong. He said he had to overcome too. And you've got to do it just like he did it. And the reward is ruling and reigning. Revelation chapter 5. You have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall... What? Okay, what? Go to Disney World. 
No. What? What? Reign on the earth. I was like, here's one more, chapter 20. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, I've got to tell you something. Most people don't know that they could die twice. You can die here and, when, and then resurrect him when Yeshua comes. And then him say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, and go to the second death. You can die twice. Or he could say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you receive your immortal body. We are called of God for the purpose of God. To do what? What is the purpose? For you. For you to have the character and moral, the perfect character and morals of God, and being trained to rule and reign on the earth and have dominion. It calls us kings and priests. So we are being trained, supposedly, not to come to church and talk about some fairy tale that may happen by and by and all that. You, we are being prepared and trained. That's why people need to be here. For game day, so to speak. We are being trained. And we, as we come, man, my foot ain't even hurting me. I'm anointing right there, I guess. Through our entire lifetime, uh, to learn to overcome and join Yahshua in ruling over the cities and the nations of the earth. Man, I, I tell you, you should hear the, 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 I wish I had time to teach on all this. But when Yahshua comes back, he marches in to Jerusalem. Now the Muslims have, you know, they, they've blocked up the eastern gate like it's going to keep him. We're going to be with him, those that got there well done. And we're going to march through the plains of Teman. And we're going to walk into that city. And he's going to tell them his name is Yahshua. And a lot of people aren't going to be looking for Noah Yahshua. See, they project him because the first time he came, he came as a lamb. But this time he ain't coming as a lamb. He's coming as a lion. And they're going to think, he's mean. I got a good teaching called Antichrist or Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to think that Yahshua is the Antichrist, the modern Christian will. But he's going to sit on the throne. He's going to do miracles. He's going to do every, oh man, I don't, I also want to leave this and teach that right now. And he's going to destroy every kingdom with a rod of iron. Dude, I've been hit with switches before. And I've been hit with a tree branch one time. I think it was my mom or was it you, Charlotte, hit me with that. But hey, I never get hit with a rod of iron. Y'all, the king is coming. You hear me? We ain't talking about some sissy, you know, effeminate, you know, uh, oh, I just hope you get saved. You know, I just hope you, I just want to be so soft-spoken. No, that ain't, that ain't who we're talking about now. Last time we saw him, his hair was white as wool. His, hair, his eyes were flaming fire. His feet shone as brass. We're talking about this dude that's coming. And every knee will bow, not because they'll force him to. And you think they'd be any cleaner about our, cleaner about our purpose. You know, a lot of people who are misguided, I was. Listen, these are good people. I'm not talking about bad people. They think we're just going to be doing nothing all day. Except this is what worldly Christianity thinks now. We're going to party. When we die, we're going to go somewhere and we're going to party. And we're going to walk the streets of gold. We're going to have a We're going to party, man. That's what we're going to do, just party. No, that ain't what the Bible teaches. Some people, I'm gonna, when I go back there, I'm gonna, I hope they got, they got fishing up there. I hope they got golf up there. Because if heaven ain't like Dixie, I sure don't want to go. Hey, they wrote a song about it. I'm going to tell you what. Most people don't remotely realize what we're really truly called for. A wonderful, exciting, awe-inspiring purpose for Johnny. Oh, my God. 
the thing is, though, you got to qualify. It ain't, like, it ain't like it is in America where we get entitlements and everything's free. Jesus paid it all. That sounds like some people who just don't want to work or do anything. They just want to get it free. Let me tell you what he did. He paid for it. He paid for your entrance into the race. But you've got to run your own race. To him that overcometh. I'm, you ain't saved by works. Well, well, what is overcome? What are you overcoming then? I mean, if you overcome something, there's work involved. And I just read the scripture. He says, if you keep my works, only people that are going to get their well done and be able to live forever, they're going to join Christ and ruling the earth, are going to be who the Bible calls overcomers. It says all through the scriptures, we're told to become God, like God, godly, godliness. Yeshua said, look, you can't just live by bread. You've got to live by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. I quoted it earlier, Matthew 5. Therefore, you shall be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Peter said this, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy, watch, in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy because I'm holy. What does that mean? It means because you are supposed to be after his kind. I'm holy, you be holy. That's how it works. In perfect character and morality. John said it this way. Don't love the things of the world or, or see, don't, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what happens is we love the world, we become like the world, we want to act like the world, we want to be like the world, we want to dress like the world, we want to talk like the world, we want to sin like the world. And you can't do that why, if you're going to have the character of God developed in you. So we are to overcome our own human vanities, our own human passions. We are to overcome the world and its temptations. Peter said this, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Christ. To Him be the glory, now and forever. Now, that we're all subject to weaknesses. Anybody else here but me? But if we will by diligence... Study the word and pray and be serious and not neglect our ecclesial gatherings and tithe and give offerings and, and, and continually yielding every day actively and surrendering to Yahweh. You'll overcome your sinful ways and Yahweh will, by his spirit will build in you the holy righteous, righteous character of God. Why, Johnny? I'm almost done, I think. Why do we go through trials? Why don't we test it all the time? You know, people, they like get mad at God if something happens to them. God, God's looking for people who are willing to totally surrender to him. Like David said, though he slayed me, I'm going to serve him. Oh, that happened? I don't, I don't care. I mean, I care it happened. It hurts me. I'm, I'm sad and I'm going to grieve and mourn and, and miss the person or, or hurt or the loss of this or whatever it may be. But the fact is, <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me serving God. I'm going to serve God. I don't care what happens. And I, I pray that a lot, too. I say, you know, I'm asking God for stuff. And I say, look, uh, now the fact is, I'm, you know I'm going to serve you no matter what you do. But maybe it would be nice if you did this. But he knows I'm, I'm going to serve him. Are you kidding me? Because I know my purpose. And I want to fulfill what I was born to be. I ain't going to miss that. I miss a lot of stuff, but I ain't going to miss that. And he's reproducing in his mind in me. And his love in me. And his character in me. I wouldn't trade that. God is reproducing himself in us. Wake up and see it.
What's worth that? That's worth all the gold in California. Don't tune me out today. Maybe I said a couple of things that threw you off a little bit about Trinity or heaven or whatever. Don't, don't get off. Don't worry about that today. I want you to know who God really is, not who they told us. His word is so clear once we have our eyes opened. You know, the number one thing I've ever had about what I teach is people say, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. I never understood that. And I'm like, it's amazing that all the stuff that people say, well, I just believe it. I'll never forget, I was, getting my, I was applying for my license with a denomination I used to be in. And they had this questionnaire you had to fill out. So the pastor, I was, I was a youth pastor, and the pastor I was working for, loved him. Man, loved him to death. I got to this question, a couple of questions on water baptism, and it bothered me. And I was like, oh. So finally he said, look, just put down what they want to know. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. Just, just put it down. Just put down what they, that's going, they don't, it don't matter. I, I said, well, it matters to me. He will just leave it blank then. <laughs> and you know what? I don't know if they even looked at the, at the test because I left it blank. You're the right people and you're good looking as I am. You get a license for anything. What did God do in the beginning? Every animal is created according to its kind. Cattle proves cattle. Lions, lions, so on and so forth. This was God's minor pattern as he created all the create creatures in the earth. What did he do? Chapter 1, verse 26. He said, well, that's us. Who's us? Elohim. Who's Elohim? Bob says angels. And I just gave you that one scripture. I can, I can go way down as deep as you want to go in all who, the names of God, what they mean. He is, Yahweh is El, capital A-L. He is the great El, singular. Plural, angels. Elohim, I think, is dual. So in plain language, he's indicating what? That his family is going to reproduce family. Now, you get to teach in the Elohim and the angels who, who help God create things, and they, use his, they are his hands, so to speak. What's he doing? Adding more members to the God family. You know that we should be reproducing ourselves and other people. We should be adding people to the church. Some people think it sounds blasphemous. When I say something that God wants to preach after, uh, God wants to reproduce after his own kind, I'm, like, I'm just quoting the Bible, sir. But I found out when I started studying the scriptures from a perspective and from where I wasn't used to be sitting from, I couldn't see. And when I moved and I didn't have the risk of being fired, my livelihood taken away or disbarred or, or rejected or talked bad about, I was looking for you to kind of find out what I really believe. And guess what? I believe me now. I believe, the God, I believe God's word now. And so did Isaac Newton. So there you go. I think he was smart. He believed. He, you know, Isaac Newton did more study on the Bible than he did math. It's a great study. And I found out that Yahshua, <clears throat> there were self-appointed religious leaders in his day, and they thought that he was blasphemous. You know why? Because look at what he said. In John 10, 30, I and my father are one. What's he teaching? Elohim. He's teaching, he's teaching family of God. I and my father are one. It drove them nuts. They called him a heretic. They said he was worthy of death. <clears throat> and this is, what, this is what he said. He said, look, for a good work, we do not stone you. Okay, well, why are you going to stone me? But for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Now watch this. Please don't 
run away and say, Johnny said, we're all gods. I didn't say we're gods. I said, we are becoming God-like. You know, there's called the mystery of the spirit of godliness. I've heard people preach it, and they, uh, but this is what it, this is what it means. It's the mystery of becoming like God. Godliness is God-likeness. Y'all hear me? Become like God. What's God? What's his characteristic? His character. The fruit of the Spirit. The Ten Commandments. You know, all the, that, that love, loving the family. He said, but in, in the next verse, two verses, he said, he's kind of confused. He says, is it not written in your law that you were gods? Written in your law that you were gods? If he, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent to the world, you are blessing me because I said I'm the Son of God? And he's referring to a, uh, Psalm 82, 6. The Hebrew word translated as gods is the word Elohim. There it is again. Same word translated God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And it's used hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament to denote the divine being, not the uncreated one, not the one God who was there before all things existed. I'm talking about what the Bible teaches through God manifestation of what God totally encompasses. encompasses. When we understand that the name Yahweh was given for us to understand who God is and what God is, all of a sudden everything takes on a different light because we've been invited in to be like God. His sons and daughters, so radical that he put his incorruptible seed in you. There is a life force in us. The life of God. We believe that? Yeah. What's it doing? It wants to give birth. That's why it's really a bad translation in John 3, 16. It says, born again. That's really not what it, the word is begotten. It says, if you, when you're begotten, you're able to watch this. I promise you it says this. It says, those people who are born again are able to see something. You know what it is? The kingdom. So everybody say, they say, well, I'm born again. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a new creation. Yes, that's true. All things have passed away. But the seed put in us when we were, are begotten of God. Yeshua was the only begotten. It's like begetting, coming, coming under sonship. Napios, pation, technon, weos, pater. There you go. That's why that teaching is so important. Napios, baby. Adion, toddler. Technon, teenagers. These are Christians who know everything. You know what I'm talking about? And then you have what's a weos. Those are the fully mature sons. And then you have pelios or we are a pater. So these are the stages, that incorruptible seed. And that, that, that baby, I, I was talking the other day, I hate abortion. And some people are aborting their baby Jesus through unbelief and disobedience. And there's a difference between, in John chapter 3, between being born again and being born of the Spirit. Because you can't enter the kingdom of God until you're born of the Spirit. What is that? That's getting your well done and receiving your new glorified body. So when you're begotten and you receive that incorruptible sperma of God to fulfill your purpose of becoming morally and the, the perfect character like his kind, you're able to see what? The kingdom, which is what? Everything else you have preached. What does that mean? That we can see the purpose of God. It's about a kingdom. It's about ruling and reigning. Where? Two things. 
Character of God, what's the second one? Dominion, ruling and reigning. Are you all with me? But it goes on to say about being born of water and the Spirit. You can't enter the kingdom of God. So we receive this word that's fresh, that's in our hearts. And I know that our experience can really cause us to bow up and and I, I, trust me, I know. Nobody knows, it, nobody knows it better than me to have to say, uh-oh, I'm going to have to get up in front of the whole church and tell them I was wrong. That wasn't easy, coach. I'm like, well, but you know what? I'm, a, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. But I made sure I was prepared before I fed it to you. It was way over a year before I started introducing some of these things. So here we are with God-like potential, receiving the incorruptible seed, I mean, we're talking John 3. We ain't talking about Ezekiel 32 or something like that. We're talking about baby verses, man. We're talking about what everybody should know. Never saw it. Never saw it because I just believed that's the way it was. And I trusted people who were good people and meant the best for me. That's why it's important to be, have a spiritual father. And let, if God puts that together, then you're able to trust somebody so you'll at least maybe consider some of these things. Because there's going to be an uprooting. And there's a pulling down. So today, my intention was to share with you God's intention and the reason and for your purpose today. Now, now everything changes. I know a lot of people who believe that they go to the altar, they shake the preacher's hand, and they're saved. And no matter what they do, they stay saved, and it's a done deal. How many of you know that there's, that's why they lose interest well, I'll put that, okay, I got that jar over here. Let's put it up there with the, with the canned beans and, and uh, tomatoes. So now what, have I got, what am I doing now? I know what I'll do. I'll just go on vacation all the time, or I'll just go do this all the time, please my flesh all the time, or I'll just lay around all the time, and I don't pray anymore, and I won't get in the Word. I already know so much now. I know enough. I know enough. No, it ain't about knowing enough. It's about becoming and overcoming enough. Y'all hear me? It ain't over yet. This race ain't over. Y'all hear? It ain't over. So that's what ecclesia is all about. There's people, man, they are. And this is what, it, it frustrates me sometimes because they get a little bit of what they think they know that I've taught them. And now they're smarter than everybody else. You know, oh, I know his name's Joshua. I know his name's Yahweh. And I know this and I know that. Yeah, but the character is lacking. You, you're not, you don't have the moral character in uh, perfect character of God yet. And I'm going to tell you, you can come to a place in your life and quit. And the Bible says you're worse off and it would have been better if you'd never known. What does that mean? I don't know. But I, I'm afraid of God. Oh, he's just a daddy. I was scared of my daddy too. You know what I mean? I mean, are you talking about I'm not afraid of God? Then you don't know. You've never met him. You don't have no idea. You don't have real trust in who he is. And I believe that if people had more fear of God, godly fear, you know, the hatred of sin, that's the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom and it's the hatred of sin. If we, if we love God and we feared him, then I believe it would put us in a different place when we needed him. Because if we only see him as this weakling, and I can just do whatever I want to and get away with it, then when, when they tell you you got cancer or something like that, you're not going to have a faith to believe in because you don't think he's going to be able to do it down here. You don't really believe it anyhow. Does that make sense to you? But for you say, no, that dude's bad right there, you know. And, and then if you need help, you can go run your mouth over here to somebody else because my daddy will come whip your butt and of course I believe it. That's not a really good example, but 
It's a, it's a schoolyard example. God bless y'all. Do what I said. <laughs>